16 of the IntelliCast podcast brought to you by EMI Research Solutions. My name is Adam Jolly. Joining me as always is my co-host Brian Lamar. Hey everybody. My new intro. I love it. It's, it's real smooth. Um, you can reach out to us for any ideas if you'd love to be a guest on the IntelliCast podcast. Reach out to us at IntelliCast at emi-rs.com. You can follow EMI on Twitter where we routinely send out market research news, updates, opinions, some some different data sets. We live tweet conferences sometimes. EMI underscore research. My own personal Twitter is Adam Jolly, all one word. And Brian, your personal Twitter is? Yeah, but I don't have one. I think I think we I think we stopped the gig. Yeah? Yeah, I'm gonna stop asking. Okay, I'll I'll bring it up if I'm gonna consider it. Yeah. Okay. All right, all right. So Brian, let's talk about current events in the market yeah. research industry. Uh, first, I think the number one most important thing that happened in the last two weeks was our live podcast recording <laughs> in Covington at the MRMW. Yeah. Um, how do you think it went? I think it went great, but I had a few beers during it. I would love to hear some audience feedback. I loved it. It was a lot of fun having an audience there, um, doing it live, um, having guests there with us, sharing beverages. I mean, it was a lot of fun. What did you think? Uh, I loved it. It went on, uh, what we recorded for like, we were basically for like two hours recording. We did snippets and editing and everything and put things in place for how things went. But it was uh, it was smooth. We had five guests yeah. come on, everybody giving different opinions ranging from an incline at L'Oreal to a project manager at EMI who can never get in front of a microphone, which she did great, I thought, give yeah. her own little rant. Um, I loved it. I'm looking forward to do it again, um, which we're doing. Oh, yeah, we are doing it again. Yeah, we're doing this again. Uh, we are going to do it at um, IIX in Atlanta. Um, it is going to be on June 12th. Um, there are currently, I don't believe, any events that night for IIX. Like in the evening, nothing's in the agenda either for any sponsors. So we don't want to step on any sponsors' toes. But it'll be at the Barrel House, which is really just around the corner from where the conference is at the Georgia Tech Technology Center. Um, I'm excited. Let's do it again. I'm pretty excited. We're on the, taking on the road. Taking on the road. You know what that means. We, lo- we lose some baggage. Oh, that's true. Yeah, we lose about a- 120 pounds of Canadian baggage along the way. <laughs> we still have to figure out some logistics. I know. I don't know. I don't know who's going to record this, but um, our producer Brian will not be with us. So who knows? We'll see if it actually gets recorded. What if we what if we co- we sit there for like two hours? And we're drinking beers. Everybody's loving it. We're hooting. Ah, this is the best thing we've ever done, and we never press record. Right. That that's, that's about a 30 percent chance that happens. Let's do it. Do it live. <laughs> um, other news in the industry this week. Um, I think we should talk about Innovate. Uh, Innovate MR uh, getting a new president, Mike Anderson, um, who was head of sales of Toluna. He's been at Toluna, Greenfield, Gozing, all that type thing. Um, do you know Mike? I don't know him. No, I th- we've run past a couple times. Yeah, um, he was a Cincinnati. He was, I think, Cincinnati might have been his territory for a while. Okay, um, so we know a lot of the same people. Uh, but kind of interesting. I think it's always interesting when like two founders of the company bring in somebody from the, to be a president that's not one of them and kind of take yeah. over the company. And I think it's a good growth step. They've they made some good hires. Um, I think Innovate is starting to kind of ramp up and be one of the big dogs in the industry. I mean, they've kind of sat back and built their panel for a few years. Now they've got the DIY tool. So big things coming their way, I think. 
Uh, I agree. I think there's they're definitely growing, and I love seeing like new new people step up. Like, uh, I mean, I I love Greg and Matt. They've always been super kind to me, and like I've always respected a lot of their opinions and saying it. But then when you get like Lisa and other people starting to just see more of their things, I think that's always great for the brand, right? To where it's not like yes, you have you have to be able to divide the company from the pe- from the one person. So you don't. I, I think it's good if somebody thinks of innovate and they don't just think of Greg and Matt. They think of Greg, Matt, Lisa, Mike, all these people too. So yeah, it's gotta be good. They gotta be happy about that. Yep. Um, Cambridge Analytica doesn't exist anymore. Huh. That'll be a big surprise. Well, I just feel like we wasted two podcasts. <laughs> Company doesn't exist. Put this at the time vault. Like six years from now, they're gonna be like, "Man, they talked about that for a long time." Well, it's interesting. I mean, look. All the criticisms are fair, but we talked about this the other day, at least in my section of the office. Um, <laughs> you but, say that like our office like spans three time zones. <laughs> I'm not on the Red Lobster side. Oh yeah, I'm the um, Lobster side. But we talked about like this is nothing compared to what other companies are collecting on us, and we willingly give them the information like Google and Apple and Amazon. And the list goes on. I mean, Cambridge Analytica, sure. Well, let's let's all get mad at Google. Or we, I mean, we can fire Cambridge Analytica. No skin off anyone's back, right? Right. What happens if we start getting upset with Google? What are we going to do? Just unplug everything. <laughs> We'd have to. That's, that's what you do. You just unplug everything, wait, <laughs> plug it back in. Yeah. That's how you fix things. Uh, last bit of new news. And this is kind of an opinion piece, but I think it's important. So a few weeks ago, Martin Sorrell, I think I think it happened on a late Friday night or a Saturday night or something. Like, sir, Martin Sorrell. Oh, I'm sorry. Sir. Yeah. I mean, he didn't fight off in the crusades so that the queen could knight him and not be called sir yeah come on uh anyway sir martin sorrell leaving Cantar and kind of a lot of things are, are leaving wpp a lot of things are up in there and one of those is kind of the future of Cantar. yeah what's gonna happen with Cantar? man that's the big story right it's a big one um you know, the original rumors were nielsen i mean not many market research firms sure. could absorb them. Right. Giant. I've heard some um, venture capital companies maybe. But now's the time to buy, I guess. If you're interested in market research, I mean, you get a big giant of a company that, I mean, been around for a long time. I worked there. I mean, almost everybody in research has worked at one of the WPP companies at some point. Did you know what WPP stood for before Sir Martin said? I think out? I'd forgotten. It's like wire and plastics. Is that what it is? Yeah, wire and plastic products. That's crazy. It's wild. I don't because I guess I mean it makes sense because they own more than just market research firms. Yeah, but like wire and plastic product that to me is what like an eyeglass maker. Yeah. Like if Luxonica was called Wired and Plastic Products, you're like, oh, that makes sense, sure. But yeah. Not the company that has the biggest brand names in advertising in the world. Yeah. Like a heritage that have done right. a ton. Can you think of other <laughs> Like why Wired and Paper Products? I guess then that comes into like the media. But yeah. that is such a, a hippie name. If you think of uh, yeah. we're, we're not newspapers and magazines. We're Wired and Paper Plastics. Come on, take it easy. Um, sorry, I got a little upset there. I don't know why. I've never met Sir Martin before. I'm sure he's gorgeous. Um, he'll be back. Any plans this weekend? I have big plans this weekend. Um, what? Well, I mean, it's a crazy weekend. You have Cinco de Mayo. All right, that's See. becoming national pastime. It's Derby Day, so for those of us in the Kentucky area, it's the Kentucky Derby. Um, so I'm actually going to a Derby party. I'm going to Cinco de Mayo party, and I'm going to a soccer match. 
Boys soccer, soccer match. match. The football club Cincinnati yeah. locally. Yeah, they, they play. Be, so Saturday night. Yeah, Saturday night. That's what I'll be doing. Hopefully the weather holds up. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, 7 p.m. Right so, if you listen to a previous podcast, which I'm sure everyone, I think with the same people, just listen to the same ones over and over again. My happy place is about 6, 8, 6, 10 on the first Saturday of May. Yeah. My old Kentucky home starts playing right before the Derby. It is my happiest moment of the of my life. Yep. Um, this year, supposed to be no rain on Saturday in Louisville, 79 degrees. That's nice. Am I going to the Derby? No. No? No, no, I'm not. Watch um, on TV. My wife has made a compromise. We are going to go out for a date night. Um, so I think we're going to OTR just yeah. to hang out. There's like a little festival, uh, Bakersfield, which is kind of a hippie taco place here in town. It's having a Cinco de Mayo Derby musical festival thing down in OTR. Could be fun. The uh, Naked Karate Girls are playing, by the way. Nice so, little local band. So OTR is kind of known for not having TVs. If they yeah. do have a TV, it's probably a John Wayne movie on, right? They're kind of hipsterish. Yeah, for so sure. So there's a spot you can watch the Derby down there? Uh, I think I'm going to get it on that NBC Sports oh, okay. app. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which would be great. So then only I will know. Yeah, I can entertain it just for myself. People will be wondering why you're crying. Yeah. It's like, why is that guy crying for? Oh. I'll make like some Cinco de Mayo reference or something. <laughs> right. The paint, the wall. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> have you looked at the Derby? Do you have any picks? You know, a few years ago when horses started dying on the track of the Derby, sure. I, I gave a little boycott, so I'm not as into the Derby or horse racing as I used to be. However, I do have a pick. Yeah, give me one. I like Bolt Doro. And I'm not going to go with a favorite, but I, I kind of like this horse. I think it has a shot. I try to go for the mid-tier horses is what I put money on, and I lose every time. So if yeah. you're out there and you happen to be a place where betting is legal... Don't listen to me because I guarantee you this horse will not win now. But somewhere between eight and twenty to one, those were the picks I tend to go for. Sweet spot, you know, Bolt, Bolt Doro, if he would win, would be the first horse from the state of Montana to win oh. the Kentucky Derby. Wow! Yeah. You can't, what other podcast could you get that trick? Sure. I know. Here you go. This is what happens. Uh, <laughs> so, like background for me, you know, my father trained horses for 25, 30 years. His father trained horses. My dad has like twelve brothers and sisters. At least nine of them are in the horse racing industry, whether it be. Training, breaking, owning, whatever. Um, and then some people marry jockeys, but whatever. Um, so I do know a little bit about horse racing. My dad actually sends me an email and text exchange when we go for probably oh, wow. 45 minutes talking about horses in the derby. So here are your surefire locks. Oh, oh my gosh. What is this? Is this podcast being released before Derby Day? Yes. Going out tomorrow. Go to, yeah. Oh. Go to a, uh, off the, an off the track. Gambling or a bookie or good online, twinspires.com. Here is your locks. I will not give you, I, first of all, I would suggest that you box all of these yeah. type things. Yeah. So if I was going to go trifecta box, that means I would be going to pick three horses and box them. They would face first, second, and third. They could finish in whatever order. I would say the number seven, Justify. He's going to be the favorite, so that's not real great. But the number seven is really a good starting position that yep. the Derby being in the middle of, you know, 20 horses. The number six, Good Magic. He won the Bluegrass Stakes at Keeneland, what yep. we've talked about in the past. And the number 14 horse, Mendelssohn. Uh, Mendelssohn um, should, on on paper, should be the favorite, but his big win was in Dubai. Yeah. Um, and I just don't trust that. Um, if you want long shots, everyone likes long shots. I would go with the number nine, Hofberg. Uh, he opened up at 20 to 1. will probably shrink down to like 12 to 1. Ooh. And my sleeper is the number 10, my boy Jack. Started at thirty to one. I think it'll probably only go down to twenty to one. And I think it, 
my boy Jack will finish in the top three. Oh, there's a good little bet. There you go. That'll make you some money. Um, it's a gambling, as always, a great thing to talk about with market research. And uh, here's something controversial. Uh-oh. How do you feel about mint juleps? You know, I'm not a big mint julep fan. Yeah, they're disgusting, but yeah. yeah. You drink them, right? You can tell the people that drink the mint juleps at the Derby. Yeah, rookies. Yeah, right. The right. other people sneak it in, right? Yes, I would say one of the prouder moments of my life. So I've been to over 15 derbies. And in college, it started to get like, how could we sneak in alcohol to the derby? Because they have like medical, or I mean, military police. Yeah. At the guards to get in. So like this famous story is like the infield of the derby is psycho. Like it is just 150,000 people of crazy, just debauchery. Right. And they pat you down like every There's no way to get alcohol into the derby. Yeah. We always found ways to get derby. Yep. That's the favorite part of the derby day almost. the best way to sneak it in, Once you get past the security... It was time for a celebration, if you have it. So we did, um, one year we took a bunch of fruit, put it in Ziploc bags, and then just dumped Everclear into it and let it soak in Everclear. And we just checked it like, hey, look at all this, oh no, citrus fruit for the day. And you could bring it in. They didn't open up and smell it or anything. If they did, it didn't smell too bad. It was Everclear. That was, and then uh, one year we packed a loaf of bread, hollowed out the middle, and put a fifth of Jim Beam inside. Yeah. I mean, it's Proud amazing snowman. the amount of people, amount of time people will spend to save like 20 bucks. It's it's pretty amazing. Um, <laughs> your last your four college student. <laughs> oh, for sure. Last Because, you know, mint, mint juleps cost $11 inside yeah. and $10 for a 20-ounce beer. Right. Get out of here. Um, last thing before we get to our interview with Bailey Allen of ZigZag Research and MRMW, um, the NFL draft. Yeah. The happiest day of the year for a fan like me. Yeah. You're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the draft? From a Pittsburgh Steelers perspective, I didn't like it. I feel like the Steelers needed to fill some holes, and they acted like they had no holes. So they were drafting a quarterback. You know, we've got a quarterback. Yeah. We have a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's playing two or three more years. I don't think we needed to draft him. He said five. That was great. Uh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, his, his head's going to fall off. All right, number two, we drafted a receiver in the second round. Love the guy, and I like the quarterback we drafted. We have a couple of decent receivers on the team. We don't have any linebackers. I don't know. We never drafted a linebacker. We're still looking for linebackers. So, not a big fan, but, you know, this is probably why I'm a market researcher and I'm in the NFL front office. They probably know something. I don't know. What, what, what about you? Well, it's an embarrassment of riches for you as a Steelers <laughs> fan. That's great for you. Um, I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. It was as good as I could ever imagine. Yeah. Like Baker Mayfield. I have already purchased <laughs> jerseys for my six and three year old. I'm so excited. <laughs> For the Baker Mayfield time, um, I'm okay with the, with the second pick ward. Yeah. I mean, whatever. What are you going to do? But um, this is it. We're going to win five five games this year. The over so under is like five and a half. I think. Yeah, that's ridiculous. five games. That's all I need for the Browns to. You know what? Because I mean, can you go every Sunday being sad? No. <laughs> Just give Two me out of three. Five. Five Sundays of not feeling sad. That's all I want. That's all I need. You're not asking for too much. I don't think so. All right, that ends our current events topics. Moving now into the interview with Bailey Allen. Um, I'm excited to learn a bit. I've known Bailey for over 10 years. She was one of the first people that trusted me in market research when I was selling sample. She was at Rock Opera at the time. Her and Lenny Murphy were, were great for teaching me about market research, teaching me about what was important to a client, what had kind of just how I could be more professional in my sales ship. So I'm really excited um, to talk more to Bailey now. Joining us now on the phone is Bailey Allen of ZigZag Research. Bailey, how are you? 
I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing really well. It's uh, We've known each other for about 10 years, a little bit over 10 years. Um, hard to believe. It's hard to believe. I don't think, I think we're still the same age as we were back then, so that's great. Exactly. <laughs> In my mind, anyway. That's exactly. Right. That's right. Um, so, Bailey, tell us a little bit about yourself. And I know that, you know, with ZigZag Research uh, starting up, uh, relatively recently. Um, just tell us a little bit about what you're doing there. Sure, I'm happy to. Well, thanks again for having me on the show. Um, it's really hard for me to believe, but I have actually been involved in the market research industry for over two decades now. Um, yeah, I've, I've spent a lot of time, half of that time on the supplier side and half on the client side. I think that that perspective has aided me a great deal. And I was actually fortunate enough to find my career path right out of grad school. And the rest is kind of history. My parents encouraged me to find something I was passionate about, said the rest would follow. I think that was great advice. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think it, it's always interesting to hear like how people got into market research. And I guess like, I don't think anyone jumps right in like, you know, this is what you wanted to do. This is what you expected to do. Um, so how did you decide on market research as a career, like right out of school? Oh, sure. Um, you know, it was interesting because when I was in graduate school, I took a statistics class. I was working on my thesis and I started asking a lot of questions and I started um, taking even more statistics classes. And my professor at the time, who still happens to be a personal friend and mentor, Dr. William Cassay, he said, hey, you know, I think that you might be really, um, you know, well suited for a career in math, you know, at, at the census or in market research or this or that. And it happened to be a year of a presidential campaign. And so polling was going on. There were, I mean, I had a lot of questions. I wanted to know more. And when I did get out of graduate school, I lived in Winston-Salem. There was only um, like a few, maybe two or three, um, if that, market research companies. And I went into Bellamy Research. I asked for a job. I believe I may have interviewed for a programming position they had open. And, you know, they took a chance on me, trained me. And, and again, the rest is history. I fell into a career that I loved, you know, by happen chance, as you were mentioning. And um, here I've been for 20 years. But So tell us a little bit about ZigZag Research. Like, you started this. What are What is kind of your goal, I guess, um, I don't, whenever we've talked in the past, and you mentioned it with like a really heavy statistic background, everything goes back to kind of quant for you. Um, and how, mm -hmm. is that part of the strategy that you have at ZigZag? Sure, sure. Well, I'm happy to tell you more. I mean, ZigZag was born as a result of kind of an intermission in my career. You know, I had finished my last engagement. I had a choice to make, whether it was to go out on my own, re-enter the workplace on the client or supplier side. And being in the industry for so long, I have a really vast network to tap into. I mean, as Adam mentioned, we've known each other for 10 years. I mean, I think we all know as market researchers, you know, we are a small but mighty, you know, army, if you will. And we all kind of know each other in some form or fashion. So, um, yeah, I decided to tap into my network. That made a huge difference in my decision to just give ZigZag a go. Um, and basically, I consider the company my fourth child. You know, it wakes me up in the middle of the night. It keeps me on my toes. Uh, yeah, I worry about it just like I might a child in its infancy. But it also provides a great deal of happiness and just sheer joy to be doing something I love with, you know, an extended network of people along the way and providing meaningful information back to clients. 
That's great. You know, and you definitely speak about it with a passion like you would a child. And I think that is something that in the industry is kind of hard to find. So um, it's kind of a really good breath of fresh air. Thank you. I think so. I love it. (laughs) So I know recently also, a little bit longer, you've kind of taken this role with the MRMW, the Merlin Institute. Mm -hmm. Um, How did how did that come about? You know what? I was in. Um, I, I was presenting at Quirks, I, I guess, a little over a year ago, and and I was approached by Merlin afterwards, asking if I might want to chair or co-chair one of their conferences. I you know, obviously I said yes, and who wouldn't? And sure. um, and kind of it kind of grew organically from there. Um, I, I be, believe I've been involved in a handful of conferences uh, with them now, and as an advisory board member. You're essentially, you know, helping shape the content and structure of a number of conferences or events, basically across um, three different geographies: Europe, North America, and Asia. I think that there's around maybe nine a year, and as such, you get to liaise with a variety of top name brands. You know, our last conference, um, we, you know, we hosted Procter and Gamble, Uber, Humana were on site. I mean, it's really um, interesting and and really cool to be a part of it, and. Yeah, I'm specifically responsible for ensuring a remarkable delegate experience, which often attracts around 250 attendees in person. Wow. Well, talk to me. Um, I'm always fascinated with conferences, mainly because, like, as, as, I mean, my pet being a salesperson in the sample industry, like, we are psychos and at some point (laughs) kind of destroy some conferences or make the conferences the best part ever. Uh, what time, how long, so look at this last one, this last, you know, North America that took place here in Cincinnati. How long was like the ramp up? How long did it take to try to build this? And I guess how, how involved was the process to get a conference like that off the ground? Uh, You know, I don't know that I'm the best person to answer that. You know, um, Merlin has a team of individuals who are continually working on ensuring that the, um, that the conferences are well run and organized and, you know, my my role is more about you know show you know ensuring that that individuals are having a great time, that the delegate experience is one um, that's positive. And granted, um, in this last um, conference, delegates who did share their feedback stated it was an amazing experience, and they'll definitely be back. You know, you kind of know you're doing your job when you hear that kind of feedback. Um, but at the same time. You know, we do, you know, obviously review all of the uh, materials that come in. We want to be familiar with the content, the structure, that type of thing. But, you know, my main um, mission is to, you know, review the content, show up on time and, and, you know, just do it right. <laughs> well, that's sometimes the hardest things to do, right? It's, exactly. It's oh, I get it. Um, I guess what was, looking back at this conference that Justin had, what was... I guess something that stood out to you, what was kind of like the the part where, you know, you're sitting there and obviously you're on the board, you're, you see this thing get made, you're making sure that it's running as smoothly as it's going around. But was there a part during the conference or a moment during the conference, maybe it was a speaker that it was kind of like a, a spark for you or an aha, like, oh my gosh, this is great. I'm so glad people are able to hear this. Um, sure. You know, well, a couple of things, you know, this recent um, event was obviously held in Cincinnati. Um, you know, and I think it really raised the bar in terms of quality, insight, and presentation. You know, there were topics as diverse as like financial services innovation, B2B. And then I think, you know, what you're kind of touching upon for me was really like the premiere of the Olay Skincare Analyzer. Right. 
And they, they basically, uh, Procter & Gamble talked about how they built upon machine learning, facial recognition, custom algorithms. I believe they might have used, I think, and please, uh, well, you will be quoting me, but 850,000, I think, maybe faces went into um, this live demo of how machine learning works. And, you know, the, the conference really was an eclectic mix of innovation, inspiration, and, and what I view as technological advancements and insights. I think the main thing for me is I believe, you know, you can feel the power and the wisdom in the room. I mean, there's a lot of power and wisdom that can be unleashed by assembling 250 insight brains in a high energy intellectual environment. I mean, it's just incredibly impressive. And it's just, you know, for me, I am I'm continually just I mean, so grateful that I get to be a part of it. I mean, it's a, right. it's great to be there. And hey, the Braves were there at the same time. And, you know, I'm from Atlanta. So, you know, go Braves, although I, I don't know that they did very well. But that's OK. Um, and on that note, I'll actually be speaking again in two weeks at the Insights Association Southeast Chapter event. Um, it's here in Atlanta on May 17th, and we're actually going to go see a Braves game in action as a group. Wow. No, I did, just popped up on my calendar, and I thought about I saw um, that you were speaking. I saw uh, Remy Denton speaking as well from SCAM. I mean, that, it seems like a mm-hmm. great content conference as well. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I, I love those little regional con- like the what the insights does, where like it is all these regions, and I think that you get a little, some camaraderie of that. You know, I know. Like the small conferences. And to be honest, that's one of the things I really I keep hearing about MRMW is that you know two hundred and fifty people and the insights you can get and kind of that like community of people can share knowledge. There's a lot more fruitfulness than say like a three thousand person conference or you know like hey fifteen hundred right. people that's some huge. Um, Oh, I think there are merits to both. I absolutely do. But, you know, for me, I have a fondness for MRMW because of that exact thing. You know, it's it's just a smaller, more intimate setting intentionally so, such that people can walk away with a handful of contacts they might not have had when they came to the conference. We really encourage a lot of discussion and facilitation and networking. We really want people to walk away, you know, having a positive experience, but also having Again, you know, a handful of people to add to their network um, because, you know, you can always use, you know, a few more partners or um, partners or just, you know, people to bounce things off of or what have you. I mean, again, we're, we're a small community where a lot of people know people, but it's great to see kind of the same, several of the same faces show up every single event. And that's really nice. I mean, you know, the relationships that are formed as a result. That. That's great. Yeah, I I definitely feel that when you're at a, any type of Merlin type uh, conference that you feel that, that that closeness and like we're all trying to figure this out together. Um, and it's a good that's a good feeling to have, um, especially when you're at a conference and a lot of times you got the butterflies. You know, maybe you're speaking or meeting new people, things like that. So it really lets it ease in there. Right. Right. Well, Bailey, this is the time where we kind of do our research rant of the week. So this is a segment. Um, I start off with Brian Lamar, who's the co-host, who always has something that kind of is grinding his gears about something going on in the industry. We want to open up to you now to see if you have a research rant of the week. You know, my rants are ultimately the same uh, continually. <laughs> I, You know, it's amazing to me how you can um, put out uh, – you know, put out bids or requests, and then you might hear back, but you hear back a week or two later than um, 
than what you know you would expect. Um, number one, EMI has never done that, by the way. It is Thank always the day off. But, um, but you know, it, it's surprising to me. I, I just don't understand. You're trying to give people business and give people work and, and how you may not hear back. I get that people are busy and what have you. But, you know, let someone know. Um, because they kind of cross you off the list and then you're, you know, you're gone and, and that's it. And you wonder, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm always perpetually confused by that. I agree. I, I think there's something to me, like the bid process in our industry towards more, I never heard back. So I guess I lost. Then there is like <laughs> someone calls you. like, Hey, you lost it. I want somebody else. I, you lost that one. Well, All no, right. no, no. What I'm even talking about is before that. It's oh. before the weight loss, okay? I'm going to take you back a few steps because I'm not he- used to hearing the word loss. But right. what I'm more no. used to hearing is <laughs> not like when I'm actually at the front end of a project and I'm bidding out and I'll be asking for quotes, you know, from different providers to partner with because, you know, I might have something. I might need a, you know, new or unique or different type of solution, you know, to blend in or I may, you know, need um you know, certain items that, you know, I can't do in house. And then, you know, I don't hear back from them like at all. And, or, or I do hear back from them usually, but it's like a week or two after the initial, you know, the initial date of contact. And you're just wondering, you know, when we're in an industry where your clients, when they have a problem, you know, they want the answers yesterday when you haven't even started, you know, rolling it out. You know, you really can't wait a week or two to get back to someone. I mean, you kind of have to you know, either hand it off to a colleague or get right on it or, you know, just kind of keep people, you know, in the loop. That makes sense. Yeah, it's going into that part. Brian, anything to add on that rant? I mean, you I, kind of feel the same thing. We've complained about this before. Yeah, I agree with the rant, and I think that people should get more feedback. And it, sometimes it's an uncomfortable conversation, but we've, we've all been on both sides of the coin. So let's all agree that we will do, we will give back to the community and tell people about what they need to improve upon, give people better updates, tell them why they lost. I'm on board. Awesome. I agree with the rant. <laughs> let's move in now to the four P's with Bailey. Bailey, this is when we get a little bit more personal, stuff that doesn't really have a lot to do with the industry, but get to know you a little bit better along the way. Every question starts with P. Um, so the first one that we start out with is present. So Bailey, what was the best birthday present you've ever received? Well, my birth actually in the summer. And yeah. My plans are summer vacations around it. So I look forward to my birthday each year. I mean, it's a time to just unwind with the most important people in my life. Um, so it's kind of a continual present. Ah, oh, that's that's great. The time of the year is pretty great. I always thought about that. Like when I was growing up, like I have a summer birthday too. And like when you don't have a birthday during the school year, it kind of stinks. Like you get gypped out of like the cake day and the cupcake day and stuff like that. But then you don't have to share it. You don't have to go to school and waste like seven hours of your birthday learning. Right? It's not too bad. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Exactly. Next P is place. So what place or day is your ideal setting or, or what is your happiest place? Okay, so it's an odd answer, but happiness place is actually the state of mind. Yeah, I think happiness in general, no matter where you are or what you're doing, doesn't come to us, but comes from inside us. And since we create our state of mind, then we create our own happiness. So, you know, it's taken a lot of yoga and mindfulness practice to get there. 
but that's kind of just, you know, who I am and what I'm about. That is a great answer. That's so much better than some of these <laughs> superficial material answers we have been getting. Uh, but I'm glad you talk about mindfulness because it's something that we talk about a lot about here. Sipping Mai Tais on the beach is absolutely fine, but I'm just oh, sure. saying that, you know, in general, you can find the good in anything if you look for it. That's what a great message. Thanks, you, Bailey. Um, the next P is purpose. So this is kind of comes from like acceptance speeches. So who has driven you to success and, and who would you thank in an acceptance speech um, to get where you are? I'm sure. Well, that I would thank a way that I can question. I would thank my entire four set of friends. They know who they are. But my sister, Robin, has been an incredible influence in my life. She not only leads by example, but she's not afraid to give constructive feedback designed to really make you measure kind of where you are versus your main goal. And she simply always mastered what she set out to do. She's phenomenal. Oh, that's awesome. That's great to have somebody like that. And the last P on our list is for person and that is usually our Mount Rushmore. So around here at the office, we're always ranking things like, oh, this was, the, <laughs> this is the top five. So I said earlier today, I said two songs that played were top five ever, but <laughs> Bailey, we want to get your Mount Rushmore and keep it to Atlanta. So Bailey, what are, do you believe the top four things to do in Atlanta? Okay. Well, Georgia Aquarium, of course, um, Oh, World of Coke. And then, you know, visit the first ever Chick-fil-A restaurant where they actually serve ham and cheese sandwiches. That's a fun fact. And take a few laps at the Porsche Experience Center. Oh, that's really good. Brian Lamar, you've spent some time in Atlanta. He did some grad work uh, in Athens. What are your favorite things to do in Atlanta? <clears throat> well, I have a different take on this. And this is really a reflection on Bailey. If anything has come out of this interview, it is that Bailey is a genuine person with a heart of gold. Yeah. Oh, well, so I'm sweet. a flawed man. <laughs> so here's my... This where the podcast takes a turn, right? This is my Mount Rushmore of Atlanta. Yes, I went to graduate school in Athens, and my brother lives in Atlanta. So I'm just going to bring it right off the start. Claremont Lounge. If you go to Atlanta, you have to go to Claremont Lounge. <laughs> Bailey, have you been to Claremont Lounge? Um... Yeah, <laughs> Yes, you have to go, right? Everybody that visits or lives in Atlanta has to go at least once. It's an experience, and you can Google it and figure out what it's about, but it's it's not really, it's, it's kind of about people watching, oh, generally. Okay. Sure. Number two, the varsity. We're all about food here. Adam and I walked to the varsity last year yeah. in about 110 degree weather in Atlanta, <laughs> but I got a chili dog, and I got my, my orange dream or whatever it is. Um, awesome. Next would be, you have to go to a, a sporting event of some sort, like a Braves game, mostly because you can get in for like three, they're like five dollars, <laughs> Right. except for the Atlanta United FC games, but you have to go to a sporting event because you get to see lots, they have every sport, and they're pretty inexpensive, and um, that, that's what I had on my list. What about you, Adam? Um, I went with, I didn't do any food, now, oh no, I did do food, um, <laughs> I did the Cypress, Cypress Street Pine and, Pint and Plate. It's a very good beer place. It's a good place to grab. There's a lot of different types of beers there. I'm a beer type guy. And I think Atlanta has a pretty decent like brewery scene. Um, I put on the... Uh, go see the whale shark at the Georgia Aquarium. I think that's cool. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, I put on the uh, Pont City Market. 
it Pont City Market. Mm-hmm. I mean, this huge older building that has been kind of redone at the top. It's almost like an amusement park at the top. There's a lot of restaurants and shops inside. I just think it's a really cool place. It reminds me a lot of here in Cincinnati. We have uh, Over the Rhine and kind of these repurposed buildings. It, it's a nice place. And then uh, I put Music Midtown just because it's a huge music festival every year in September. Usually has an awesome lineup. Last year, I think they had uh, Bruno Mars and Mumford and Son. So um, it's pretty big every year. And I love Midtown Atlanta to me. Like yep. it's, I know Atlanta has like five downtowns. You, know, <laughs> right. you have like Midtown. You have it's Buckhead, the mid- you have, Midtown. I mean, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's so many. And like breaks in between all the towns too. Yep. It's kind of nice. Um that does it for our four Ps. Bailey, at the end, we always do a non-research rant of the week. So this is just anything in general in life. I can't imagine you have anything in general in life that you're going to rant about based on where we, we've gone so far. But um, do you have um, anything you wanted to rant about now? You know what, Adam? You know, I've talked to you about autism before, and I was reading an article on the BBC about employment statistics uh, last weekend, and this really disturbed me. Actually, only 16% of autistic adults in the U.K., are um, in full-time employment. And that figure hasn't actually changed in over a decade. So um, according to a global talent consultancy, um, CSG, it's estimated that 1% of the world's population has an autism spectrum disorder, and 80% of the people in this group remain unemployed. So as you know, I do a lot of work around autism in the U.S. um, because I, I, you know, well, actually I have a a son who is on the high-functioning end of the autism spectrum. But But beyond that, you know, autistic individuals are incredibly talented in a number of ways. So I found this, you know, statistic alarming. And, you know, I believe there may be some discrimination based on lack of knowledge and understanding. And I read that and I thought, okay, you know what? I need to really dig in here and partner up with some folks and figure out how to make a difference here and change these numbers around. So I don't know what the number is in the U.S. Um, I'm looking into that still. But, you know, regardless, globally, this is obviously an issue and we, we need to deal with it. That's great, Bailey. I, it's so funny you mention this. I have a cousin who's autistic and he lives in Bowling Green, Kentucky. That's the, probably most people don't know, that's where Western Kentucky University is. They just announced just this week a program to help autistic children find jobs and have careers. So it's a passion of mine. That's, that's kind of an insight I learned about you today. That's fascinating. Thank you. Oh, yeah, thank thanks you. Thanks for sharing that, Bailey. I know we've talked about it in the past. Um, I I just I always go back to awesome because I feel like it's 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 kind of new, but it, it's just like awareness is just now starting to really ramp up. And right. I'm interested to see what the U.S. statistic is because I think even even more so we're starting to learn more about what the spectrum is and what the percentage of diagnosed is versus what even in the end of there's probably a large percentage of undiagnosed as well. Um, so thank you for sharing that. I think that's great. No worries. I appreciate it. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to be here today. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Bailey. Um, how can people reach out to you if they're trying to reach out to you? Um, well, they can find me on Twitter at, at Bailey Allen, um, B-A-I-L-E-I-G-H-A-L-L-E-N, or at Zigzag Research, whichever makes sense. Um, you know, my personal is a little bit more, you know, geared towards autism and, and other things that I, you know, really care about and am passionate about on a personal level. But ZigZag, of course, is a little bit different and professional um, in terms of, you know, professional motivation, aspirations and things that are meaningful in market research. So but either is fine. Would love to hear from folks. Awesome. 
Thank you so much, Bailey Allen. Uh, we appreciate your time and just it was a joy to get to know you more, not just with, like the research side, the zigzag and the MRMW, but the type of person you are. And uh, we really appreciate you coming on today. Thanks. You guys have a great day. Awesome. Bailey. Thanks, Bailey. Thank you again to Bailey Allen of Zigzag Research and the MRMW. That was a great interview. Nice to know more about you um, and really just how genuine of a person she is. You said hit it around the uh, hit the head right on the hit the nail right on the head there, Brian. Uh, you can reach Bailey at B A I L E I G H. That's how she spells Bailey. Allen, all one word. On Twitter, um, coming up for EMI, you can see us at the APOR in Denver on May 19th. Adam Dietrich, who's been on the podcast twice so far, talking about political polling. Uh, he will be there um, meeting with clients, meeting with prospects. Please reach out to Adam. Uh, he would love to meet with you and just get your kind of insights on uh, polling and what EMI is doing to better that. And then you can find us at the IIEX, both. Brian and I will be there along with uh, 37 other EMI employees looking at this list, June 11th through 13th in Atlanta, and we will be recording a live podcast at the Barrel House on June 12th. Uh, more details to come on that as far as time, and um, will we have enough drink tickets, right? Yeah, sure. Free oh. booze on us. Oh my gosh, that's the best announcement. Right? Well, I don't think we announced that enough for the other life. Hey, we'll, we will buy you drinks if you come. Right. I think we just talked about, hey, you get to be on the podcast or watch a podcast. Yeah, we really oversold ourselves. Right. right. <laughs> Whatever. We'll get used to that now. Uh, Brian, anything to say before we wrap up? Um, happy summer. It's summertime, everybody. Have fun. Summertime. You wore, I wore shorts yesterday. I you did wore too. shorts the last two days. Yeah. Man, calves are out. <laughs> Winter legs. Thighs out, skies out. Thanks so much for joining us, um, as always, and we look forward to seeing you next week on the IntelliCast. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.